went down this rabbit hole trying to understand what it is that creates these disconnected communities and why so many of them are in our rural parts of the country. So I just kind of dove in and I spent some, a lot of time interested in, in finding out information about broadband because of the opportunities that it would bring rural communities as far as the great leap forward for economic development. And the great equalizer is the way I, I would think about it. Welcome to episode one of Small Talk with Communities Unlimited. My name is Chris Baker. This is the first ever episode of the Communities Unlimited podcast. And uh, I'm glad to be joined today by someone we could talk to for hours and hours and hours. Catherine Carrance is her name. She is our area director of broadband. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being our first guest. Yeah, I'm excited. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you came to Communities Unlimited and what we're doing with broadband. I will start off um, by telling you that the United States has been focused on broadband for quite some time now. They had their first national broadband plan in 2010. But um, folks like me that were really interested in broadband and what was going on, we didn't really get kicked into high gear until the pandemic. That seemed to be the uh, time frame of when all of us started focusing on uh the inequities that came from being disconnected. And I have been interested in broadband for almost 10 years, I guess. I've been working on it. And for me, it all came about because my family owned a business in a small town in East Texas. And I came back home to help run my family business, and our internet was really, really poor. I mean, I'm talking one megabit environment, legacy DSL, copper phone lines, and we couldn't even have a wireless printer. And uh, that really, you know, was a pain point for me. And so it inspired me to understand why some places had pretty good internet and other places did not. And it really had nothing to do with money because the little town that I lived in was a pretty prosperous tourist town. Um, we got a lot of weekend traffic. We were on a lake. And that didn't seem to be the problem. It wasn't. It wasn't a lack of lack of wealth in the community. So, I went down this rabbit hole trying to understand what it is that um, creates these disconnected communities and why so many of them are in our rural parts of the country. So I just kind of dove in. And at that point, this would have been about 2014. At that point, if you wanted to understand broadband and you wanted to find information, you really had to dive deep. You had to go read government documents and you had to really look for the information. And around that time, I was working as a economic development planner for a council of governments. And I spent some, a lot of time interested in, in finding out information about broadband because of the opportunities that it would bring rural communities as far as the great leap forward for economic development and job creation. And the great equalizer is the way I, I would think about it. And spent some time as a planner in economic development, but I was really interested in broadband. And so when the opportunity came up to become a planner specifically for broadband, I jumped at it. And that would have been right before the pandemic. And it seemed like at that point, conversations about broadband were just among a small group of um, nerdy folks, I guess, <laughs> geeky broadband geeks. 
And then the pandemic happened, and all of a sudden, everyone realized that the communities that weren't connected were really at a disadvantage. And that's when I had an opportunity to come work with Communities Unlimited to focus not only on broadband in my home state of Texas, but across the entire southern U.S. And I got really excited about it. So I've been here for about six months now and just really enjoying the challenge of the work. Okay, so I'm going to start at a very basic level with you. What is broadband? Right, yeah, no, that's a really good question. We talk about it a lot, and we assume everyone knows. And the simple answer is broadband is high-speed Internet. But it doesn't matter how you get it. It can be high-speed Internet that's delivered wired, wirelessly. Uh, Wired Internet would be cable, fiber, uh, anything that runs in the ground or on... um, on poles from internet exchange point or a data center all the way to your property. That's wired internet. Wireless internet still has some wired components, but it usually goes to a tower. And then from the tower, it goes out um, to the final premises wirelessly. So that's the main distinction. Wired, wireless, it just has to be high speed. Now that definition of high speed has changed dramatically over the years. In the in the early days, it was defined as 10 megabits. Now it's defined as 25 megabit download, 3 megabit upload, and again, that's that's very slow. Keep in mind that any metropolitan area in the U.S. nowadays has much faster speeds than that. At least 100 megabit speed availability up to a gigabit. When you're looking at a rural community that's trying to get by on 25 megabit speed or less, it's really slow. And with Communities Unlimited's focus on rural communities, I'm sure the the discussion is vastly different between what happens in a small rural community versus what would happen in a metropolitan community with their broadband, their usage of. But what they use it for, since it is 2023, isn't any different. You need to upload documents. You need to uh, upload records of a video of some variety. I mean, you need the speed no matter where you're at, right? Sure. And that you mentioned something that's a really good point, download and upload speed. So this is just a real example of how our knowledge of technology is lagging behind. When those speed thresholds were set, um, the expectation was that we were using the Internet primarily to download documents open large emails, send files. But once we started um, Zooming and using video conferencing, that's upload. So that's why you'll see the concept of symmetrical speed. And that would be where the download speed is the same as the upload. So like 100 symmetrical, because when you are using the internet nowadays, it's interactive and it's um, more uploading. But yeah, for sure, rural communities have the same needs as urban communities, but they have a lot less access to internet. And it's strictly because the business model is population density. And like I said about the wired, it is actual um, wired, whether it's fiber or cable or coax, it's actually in the ground from one point to the household. So every bit of that mile has to have cable. So that's why it's it's so much harder in rural communities where you might have, instead of 100 houses per mile, you might have one per mile, or you might have three miles per household, etc. So it's just a lot more expensive in the infrastructure. Because cable is expensive to lay, right? I mean, that's, sure. that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so that's the challenge, right? Is to... Yeah, the, the materials themselves and also the labor 
So in your time working in broadband in rural communities, what have you seen from the community with questions being asked? Well, l- let me ask one that I, th- I bet you you probably have gotten. Why does this matter to me? Yeah, well, you just jump straight to the big questions. So <laughs> um, generally, um, communities will understand that their internet's not so good, but they don't understand why. They don't understand what they can do about it. They don't even have a basic understanding of the technology. A good amount of what I do is basic education. What is broadband? Why is it important? What can we do to improve it? And as far as the why it is important, um, most people understand that being completely disconnected is really uh, puts them at a disadvantage. So when you look at connection, the idea is that lack of connection exacerbates existing disparities. Where you have a lower income population, they're worse off when they also have um, lack of access to internet. And the same is true of economic opportunity, healthcare outcomes, job opportunities. It truly affects every aspect of life. But the big, the big ones are economic development, and that's something that I talk a lot about because when you look at expensive infrastructure, you have to see the ways that it makes sense. So often, when we think of things that improve quality of life, it's really hard to put a financial, financial amount on them. But economic development truly is a way that you can track the benefit of a community being connected as far as increase in business, economic opportunity, and, and Broadband investment truly is a um, very wise investment. We're talking with Catherine Carrantz. She is the Area Director of Broadband at Communities Unlimited. This is the first edition of a podcast, a series of podcasts. Uh, we're calling it Small Talk with CU for a couple reasons, <clears throat> because we want to have a talk with people who know what they're talking about, but also small because we work in small and rural communities. So, Catherine, the small and rural communities aspect of broadband and the inequity that comes with that, you were talking about the economic uh, disadvantages you're at if you don't have access to broadband internet. Um, you mentioned one that kind of I wanted to ask you more about. You were talking about health. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that better connectivity improves outcomes in health. And one of them, strictly in the financial sense, is there have been studies, and um, we maybe we can have to link them on the page, but there's a lot of great studies that show hospitals that have better internet connectivity um, spend a lot less on their records. And I was part of a study last year that looked at rural hospitals across the state of Texas, and it was really shocking how slow their internet speeds were. They had um, speeds that were slower than residential speeds in most any other part of the country. So it's shocking to think that a hospital is trying to function not only to maintain their medical records, but also to be up to date on all their systems at a slower than residential speed. So that, from a hospital standpoint, is a significant disadvantage to having lack of connectivity. But from the patient's outlook, it also is tremendous. I mean, we all know about telehealth and the ability to video conference with our doctors or doctor's offices um, and not have to travel and not have to go in. But people don't understand the big picture implications of that. So it's kind of like I, I talk about when they had the rural electrification project in our country early 20th century. I'm blanking on the dates here. But when they brought electricity to America, they didn't know 
all the benefits that electricity would bring. In fact, one of the big problems is that they had to have people like me that went around and educated um, communities about the value of electricity. And they would have farmers that would say, well, what do I need electricity for? I go to bed when it's dark outside. Um, I get up when the sun comes up. Then, because in their mind, they thought of, of electricity as just turning the lights on. They had no concept of all the innovation that would come from electrification. And we're in that same point right now with broadband, is that we don't truly know all the amazing innovations that will come once we connect people. Healthcare is something that there's a lot of wonderful information out there. And if you're interested, you should Google it and start reading about some of these studies because they've determined that telehealth not only um, gives you access to healthcare at a moment's notice, but it also gives you access to the absolute experts in the field. So the idea that I had learned about was a rural community might not have a hospital anymore. The hospitals shut down. They might not even have a clinic. Maybe they only have one doctor. Maybe they have to drive 45 minutes to the closest emergency room. But a telehealth-enabled clinic in your community could have access to world-class healthcare within within seconds, within minutes. And that not only improves outcomes for a lot of um, emergency-related health conditions like strokes and head injuries, but also gives you access to the best in the field, which brings um, another example they used were children's and pediatrics. So often when a, a child from a rural community gets sick, they have to send them to a city someplace really far away which um, means that their parents have to take off work and they have to um, go live in a hospital hours away while their child is sick. But telehealth and um, connected clinics will enable that child to stay in their home community, in their home clinic, in their home hospital, which not only um, helps the parents, but also helps the local economy. So there's all sorts of amazing implications that will come once we have our entire nation as connected as the city. So, yeah, I think it's impossible to um, overstate the possibilities, right? And yeah. quite frankly, it's also impossible to predict them. But it's like you said, uh, with the electrification process, there was no way to predict some of the things that would come of that, including, you know, things like computers. You know, I think the real possibility there for broadband and as many people as connected as possible is very uh, apropos, the, uh, yeah. the comparison. Right. Let, let's, let's get down again to basics. I asked you what broadband was, but if I am in a community and I am exploring this and I hear people talking about wanting better internet and I want to talk intelligently about it, can you give me some terms that I might hear? Or maybe somebody's coming in my community. Maybe uh, somebody's knocking on the door saying, hey, we want to help you out with this. Is there some stuff that I need to know? Yeah, and that's a, a big part of what I do is I help communities with basic broadband education, not only for them to feel more comfortable with the subject matter, but also to give them the tools to be better advocates for themselves. That's really what's been holding people back all these years is that they don't understand the problem. They're intimidated by the technology. And let's be honest, a lot of that is somewhat intentional. I mean, we had an environment for the last 20 years where there was never enough money because we didn't have the national understanding of how important it was. So you had service providers that were really fighting for small amounts of federal subsidies. 
They had no incentive to be transparent about their plans, what they were going to do. It created this environment where there was a lot of confusion, and it was really hard to get the information. I mean, I mentioned when I first started, I had to dig through government documents and read a lot of white papers, and and they're still really basic information, like where the infrastructure exists, that's not really easy to find out. There's no, um, like, there's a highway map of our highway systems across the United States, but there's no broadband map that tells you where all the infrastructure exists. You know, you might have fiber five miles away, you might have fiber 500 feet away, but you will never know unless you find out who owns that fiber. So lack of information is a substantial challenge. And one of the best things a community can do is just start educating themselves. And fortunately, now, because so many people are talking about broadband and doing seminars and workshops and webinars, there's a lot of information out there. In fact, I would say that the primary difference between the information that's out there before the pandemic and after is that before finding the information was the challenge. Now it's wading through the information. A community should educate themselves and learn the terminology. What is broadband? You know, also another term that's thrown around a lot right now is digital equity. There is a large amount of government infrastructure funds devoted to broadband that's going to be coming out in the next year or so. There's two sides to that. You have the Broadband Equity Access Deployment Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and it set aside $65 billion for broadband infrastructure deployment. And then you have the digital equity money, which is all about digital literacy, digital inclusion, adoption, because that's something that we didn't talk about. But there are some real differences between access adoption and use. So when you have a community that has poor internet or poor connectivity, you have to find out, is it because the infrastructure doesn't exist, the access side of it, or even when the infrastructure exists, if people aren't signing up, that's a adoption issue. So can they not afford it? Do they not see the value of it? Do they not know how to use the technology? All the challenges that come after access, that falls under digital equity. Sometimes that's a bigger, bigger challenge. Yeah, I mean, we know how to lay cables, right? But, I mean, your neighbor could feel totally different about the situation than you could. Yeah, uh, rural communities especially have lower adoption rates because we have been in an environment where traditionally the Internet's not very good. So we all know that when the Internet's not very good and you spend a lot of time watching uh, things buffer and things load slow, that you don't have the patience. So it's a kind of a chicken-and-the-egg situation. Rural communities have lower adoption rates, which means that even when internet is there, less people sign up um, because they have a little bit more of a challenge technological, technologically diverse. And who can blame them? You know, when my family had one megabit service and we couldn't even use a wireless printer and checking your email could take several minutes just to open up a file, no one wanted to sit on the computer. Adoption rates in rural communities are a challenge. Like I said, when they had the rural electrification project that had people like me that went out into communities and told them why electricity is, is valuable and how it's going to improve your life. The same thing is true with broadband. A big part of it is talking about how it can improve your life. You know, I think one of the things that I've learned, and I am no expert uh, in rural communities. If you're not from a rural community, sometimes you might have a vision of what that is that you might need the education, right? But that's not because you're from a rural community, you know what I mean by saying that? Yeah, um, and people make all these assumptions, and 
a lot of these people aren't from rural communities. It's kind of like the idea of the adoption rates. I can't tell you how many presentations I sat in where people would say that rural communities had low adoption rates because they just didn't want computers. Oh, they just don't want it there. And they would even have service providers that would say, oh, you know, we'd love to sell internet for to this community, but they just don't want it. I'm like, that's crazy. It's not that they don't want it. You have to understand that they've been functioning in an environment where even the kids weren't interested in computers because, I mean, have you ever tried to function in a one megabit environment? And those places still exist. I mean, I can't tell you how many communities that I go into that are still in 10 megabit or less. So it's not that they're not interested in technology. It's just that technology is not fun when you have such low internet. I mean, my my family, even now, we have 25 megabit uh, internet speed um, where my family lives, and they have all these inexplicable computer problems that just don't happen where I live at 100, 200 megabit speed. You know, they're just always having problems with their printer and uploading things and updating or updating software. And it doesn't matter if it's a brand new computer and a brand new printer. They just have weird unexplained problems that I don't have. And I suspect it's because a lot of these, a lot of the software has to be connected in some way. It's not fair to say that uh, rural people don't want internet or they don't like computers. Well, you know, (laughs) if you had to try to run a business in that type of environment, you probably wouldn't like it either. Yeah. Today's internet uh, is much more than what it used to be. And then also we use it in ways that it, like you said, multiple things connected, working together. I mean, fridges are connected, you know, things like that, right? Where you, uh, the internet is more than just a uh, worldwide web of, of websites nowadays. Yeah. You know. And, you know, you just reminded me of something that I always thought was funny, is that when I go into communities and they say that they're unhappy with their internet or they have bad internet, I usually have a whole list of questions that I ask them because the truth is, Everyone thinks their internet's bad. So when I was working in suburban areas, they thought their internet was bad because, like you said, they couldn't do the internet of things Mm -hmm. that other people could. They couldn't have, you know, the refrigerator connected while all three of their kids were gaming and and while they were watching TV at the same time. And as a rural advocate, I would get so frustrated with that because we were just – fighting for the bare minimum speed to function, to be able to accept credit cards, to be able to, um, which, and reliably accept credit cards. That's something that's still uh, a huge challenge when you um, do business in rural communities. So, but everyone wants more. Everyone can see the benefit of having better and faster technology and no one's satisfied with what they've got. Even a suburban area that has a hundred megabit speed, they want gigabit speed. Um, now they're even talking about 10 gigabit speed. So, um, but for a rural community they that has had one megabit to go from one megabit to 25 megabit, life-changing. They're really able to do a lot more. We're speaking with Catherine Carrant. She is the area director of broadband at Communities Unlimited. This is podcast number one of Small Talk with Communities Unlimited. Catherine, we don't have a whole lot of time left. We're going to go through a series of these podcasts with you because I have a lot of questions. But you actually just brought up something that I think people um, in rural communities would appreciate because there is 
a movement of sorts of people moving out of urban areas back into rural lifestyles who still want to continue their business. They may have a side hustle. That may be their main business. They need the Internet. For sure. And communities understand that if they don't have good connectivity, they won't attract those people. They get it. But the funny thing is a lot of people just assume the Internet's good. Yeah. <laughs> they they buy property, they move out to the lake, and then they get really upset when they find out that they just spent all this money and, and moved and the Internet's not good enough for them to work from home. It's not good enough for them to, to even function. So, But at the same time, once, you know, once, once these communities get connected, people will be able to do that. If you look at migration trends across the history of our country, when people left the farms to go to the cities, it was all for that economic opportunity. And the expectation is that once we connect our entire country, we will see an uh, economic boom for rural communities, and they will see that return to the smaller towns. I know I grew up in the suburbs of Houston, but I left after college and I've lived in small towns ever since. And I'm not interested in moving back to a city. I don't like the traffic. And I think that a lot of people feel the same way. You know, I work remotely. And when I told my mom that, she says, oh, good, you can move back home. (laughs) And I was like, nope, not until you get better internet, which um, there's other reasons to want to live in a, I don't want to live in a city, but I don't want to live in a really small town either. Some some sweet spot in between would be perfect for me. But a lot of a lot of people are interested in moving home or moving back. Well, Catherine, I appreciate your time for episode one and your willingness to speak with me and educate uh, someone who uses the tools but may not be fully educated. Um, when we get into episode two, what we're going to talk about, which I think is vital, and I think it's a uh, a really, really important step is community planning for what's coming. You be willing to do episode two? Sure, that sounds great. I can talk about broadband all day long. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, uh, episode one in the wraps. Appreciate your time, Catherine Krantz, Area Director of Broadband at Communities Unlimited. This is Small Talk with Communities Unlimited. We will see you next time.